Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Big Fail Podcast. Uh, we are here with Mr. Deepak Shetty. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, sir. It's an honor to have you. Uh, so for our new listeners, um, Big Big Fail is a podcast aiming to give you some quality insights based on the lives of successful individuals. Uh, we often find that their hardships also had an equal or more significant role in shaping their success. And uh, so we're here with a conversation to find that out. Um, all right. So Mr. Deepak Shetty is an NITT alumnus who is currently the director of Z-Axis Technology Private Limited. He's also on the advisory board of LNES and also provides uh, private advertising, uh, sorry, advising of corporates on uh, marketing strategies. And uh, he's an investor too uh, for deep tech startups. And uh, Mr. Shetty has also played a huge role in bringing Samsung into the Indian market and uh, He's also worked in Moiseville for like around, I think, 10 years with it, with respect to fields like sales, operations and marketing also. So, um, sir, you have worked in an extensive range of roles, uh, panning out in different fields. So let's maybe first look at the beginning. So um, you were an undergrad in metallurgy at NITK. So how did you change to marketing and sales? Like, was were you always inclined to that or did your interest suddenly change? Well, uh, I must share uh, a little bit of this insight uh, that I have uh, now that we are speaking after so many years. So I guess I can take the liberty to speak about it. Uh, when I got uh, admission, I was part of Gujarat quota. So I came from the Gujarat quota of seats that were there. And I had an option to choose uh, to either pick up metallurgy in uh, KREC. In those days, it was called KREC or go and do mechanical, which I was inclined to do in uh, Trichy. Right. Uh, but my hometown was uh, Mangalore. And of course, we used to visit once in three, four years in those, in those times. So I, I thought maybe I should go back to Suratkal rather than going to uh, uh, Trichy. And then uh, somewhere, uh, you know, at that time, uh, my thought was that uh, I don't know metallurgy. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about metallurgy. And uh, I'm just taking it because it's in KRAC. And I took it with the understanding in my mind that I'm going to go there and uh, figure out a way to get out of uh, metallurgy and maybe get into mechanical, which I wanted to do. So that's how I went there. And uh, in fact, uh, that was my first, uh, I would say, misunderstanding or failure I would start with where I presumed that I would be able to change my uh, stream after getting into KRAC. I went and met the registrar, I met, met the principal, and I said, look, I, I don't want to do metallurgy, I want to do mechanical. So they said, look, uh, chances are very, very remote. But after about a year, many times, some children do, do drop out or people would have got admission at elsewhere in other colleges, they might drop out and there could be vacancies. So you could try at the end of one year. So with that belief, I actually started my journey in uh, KREC and now in ITK. And then uh, after about a year, uh, when I thought I'll be able to swing this, I went back again to the registrar and said, no, no, now I need my mechanical. And he says, well, uh, no vacancies in mechanical. There is one vacancy in civil. If you're interested, uh, uh, we can give you civil. Civil in my mind was like, you know, 
I said, no, no, I don't want civil. If you can give me mechanical, it's fine. Otherwise, I'm fine with metallurgy. Because metallurgy is, in my mind, again, at that time was, it's a specialized mechanical engineering part of it. Otherwise, I'm fine with this. So I stuck on to metallurgy and I thought uh, I'll become a metallurgist. That's how I started my journey. Then we had these industrial tours which used to happen and we had to go to uh, some factories. So one of the factories that I went to was uh, the Bilai steel plant. And uh, I realized that if I have to work as a metallurgist, I have to work near the blast furnace, which is like very high temperatures and all. The very thought of seeing myself standing there near the blast furnace, I said, no, this is not what I want to do in life. How am I making these choices? And in those days, of course, we were young and we were brash. So we used to just take decisions on the spot. I said, no, no, this is not what I want to do in life. Uh, so then I was wondering, well, what do I do now after my metallurgy? So luckily for me, my first campus job that I got was a company called Fusion. And some of our seniors were already placed in Fusion. Fusion was a welding electrode manufacturing company based out of Jamshedpur. And uh, I got shortlisted and I got a job and they gave me a techno commercial job. So my job was to first learn about welding and do various kinds of weldings, but also go and then sell it to dealers and distributors and teach customers why they should choose this brand. So that is where I had my first brush with the sales side of the business and not so much of engineering. I was happy because it wasn't standing next to the blast furnace, which is like several thousand degrees. I said, better. And uh, this is how I started my journey. But yes, uh, KREC is a very, very eventful uh, part of our lives. And uh, I think whatever we are today uh, is what KREC has shaped us into. And we had great times. I mean, our batch of 85, we still catch up uh, and meet. And we went back to the campus also for our Silver Jubilee. And it was real good fun to go back to the campus. Great, sir. Great. Nice. So, um, so there's this notion that we're all a victim or a victor of our circumstances. Yeah. And uh, so after your undergrad, you went on to pursue postgrad in marketing. And uh, so... I want to know what were the hurdles you faced with respect to the circumstances that you couldn't control. And uh, even with respect to venturing yeah. to the corporate life after that, what were the choices you made and the circumstances you faced at that time? Yeah. In fact, uh, my first exposure of the job uh, with Fusion was in my life. Uh, I've lived in a very cushy house, which my parents provided. And uh, the first job took me to Jamshedpur. And uh, for two, two, three months, we were there for training. And we were put in the outhouse and there were like, you know, a bunch of guys living in the outhouse of a bungalow. And to me, it was like uh, a sort of come down in life. I said, where are we living? This is like, you know, suddenly we were like shaken out of our, this thing that, boy, this is the beginning of your life and this is how you start. And that's where we started and then uh, came to Bombay and we, I was working in Bombay office. And it was good fun uh, as we went around trying to sell products. We faced a lot of failures. People would not want to buy a new brand. And uh, it was a struggle to try and convince customers. So 
So a lot of learning went along all the way and we kept honing our skills as we went along as to how to make that sale happen. And as long as you keep that interest alive inside you that you know you want to keep experimenting and you don't want to accept failures as you get them, you'll keep finding new ways of handling a new customer. And some of them would succeed, some would fail, but we went through that journey and we learned as we went along. Then I got an opportunity where the company said, we are opening our new branch in Delhi. Would you like to go to Delhi? So I thought, well, it's a good change for me here from Bombay and why not experiment with Delhi? Uh, so, I, so I came to Delhi and uh, Delhi was another uh, different experience where I learned to live with two, three other people. We had an office come residence and we learned to make new friends. And then we realized that the culture in Delhi is different from the culture in Bombay. And we had to figure out how to survive in the culture of Delhi. And uh, everybody kept telling us that, you know, if you learn how to sell in Delhi, you can sell to anybody in this world. So we said, okay, let's take this as a challenge. Yeah. And we started working in Delhi. And uh, it was a good journey again. We learned how to sell. But then I realized that uh, you know, my growth cannot happen as an engineer degree alone. I need to uh, beef it up with another degree. So either I get into doing masters in engineering or I get down to doing MBA or something of that sort. That's where I applied for uh, MBA courses and MBA entrance exams. And uh, after a year of my working, when I tried, I did not make to the cutoff. So again, I faced failure and I was wondering, uh, where did I go wrong? And being young and brash, one of the, I, I don't know whether you want to look at it as an asset or you want to look at it as a weakness, but it was like, you know, we had this thinking, dekha jayega. Mm -hmm. Karte hai, let us do this, dekha jayega. So we had this approach and uh, while we failed, we said, hai, koi baat nahi, dubara denge. Dubara karenge. So that is how it started. And I again took the exam the next year. This time I did a little more of extra preparation with uh, for the exams. And I got through. And I got through to Wellinka. And I got to do uh, choose marketing, which was what I wanted to do now. Because having done that sales thing in uh, Fusion, I realized that I'm more tuned to selling and marketing than so much into engineering. But yeah, I must admit that uh, the engineering degree that we have has been like, you know, nobody can bullshit the engineering side to us. If somebody does, we will know. So to that extent, we were okay enough in our engineering. But then in terms of career choices, choices, I realized that marketing is what I wanted to do. But then it was a tough call because I was going to quit my job and get into studying again. And my father was retiring. And uh, he very clearly told me, look, I cannot support you. If you want to study, you have to do whatever you want. So you have to figure out how you want to survive. So that's how I started. And then I said, no, dekha jayega. Again, the same thing, attitude, we are, dekha jayega, karte hai. And uh, I mean, uh, even these, uh, studying at uh, Wellinker, which is now called B-School, was also a good uh, memorable journey, I would say, because... I made quite a few good friends, boys and girls who were there with us. And uh, they looked at people like us who came with experience, who would understand the theoretical concepts much more easily 
than they would because they were fresh from college. And we were looked upon as guides to teach them or explain to them how to understand it. We would do that part. And in return, we had a barter that we would be bunking classes and they would make notes for us. So we had the journey again where uh, I and another friend called Julio, we used to go and uh, do market research projects in those days. So as field investigators, we went around doing, invest, you know, filling up forms, asking questions to people. And for every form, we would get some money. Mm. So that is how we supported ourselves mm. by actually working part-time and making money and having friends in the college who would make notes for us. Uh, I don't know whether I should say it or not, but then in those days, what the girl would do was she had two notebooks and she would put one page and another page of this notebook over each other with a carbon. Oh. So she would make her notes and the carbon copy would happen in the notes. Great. <laughs> that is how the notes would get ready for us. And uh, we, of course, got a lot of good food also because they would bring good food from home for us. And we were those poor guys who would, you know, be struggling outside uh, to make ends meet at the same time trying to study. Yeah. But we did well. We did well. Uh, we graduated well. And uh, campus, I got into Goldridge. Mm -hmm. That's where I again started my career journey. Mm -hmm. This time I was uh, taken into Goldridge to work for the service department. Mm -hmm. So again, in service department, uh, my task was, uh, was a very unique task. In those days, Goldridge wanted to computerize their service center. So they wanted to build uh, computer systems. And they wanted users in the service department to be trained. So we had those Unix platforms in which we had to uh, get products developed. And my role was an in-between role. So I was like somebody who would go and understand the user department, which was the service department, and convey that to the information technology guys who would then develop the software and write the codes and then take it back to the, customer, uh, to the user department and see what all changes were required to be done. So on and so forth. So I became an in-between guy. So in the process, I re realized that I was learning about information technology. I was learning about service. So for two years, I did this. Almost about one and a half, two years, I did this. And then I realized that this is enough. I don't want to be in service department. Because one of the biggest challenge I had in service department was uh, I would only listen to complaints on refrigerators. So my image about Godridge refrigerator is such a lovely refrigerator and such a great brand. But in the service department, when you sit, all the 100 calls which would come would be all saying, I have a problem with my refrigerator. Nobody said that, oh, my, my refrigerator is great. Because everybody had a complaint. Yeah. Only then they would call the service department. Otherwise, that's when I again got my next learning. That, you know, the number of refrigerators that got sold were, let's say, 10 lakhs. And there were 100 people who were complaining. Mm -hmm. So it was not that the refrigerator was bad. The refrigerator was great, but it was only those 100 pieces had that problem. And because you're sitting in the service department, you understand that every refrigerator is a problem. Yeah. So I got my next learning there. Look, service department is not uh, showing you that it's a bad product, but actually shows you that it's a great product. That is what I used in my uh, sales and that is where I would say I was very lucky because people who went into sales did not understand the product from a service perspective. Mm -hmm. And without that knowledge of service, 
when they grew up the ladder and became branch managers their attention was more for sales and not for service whereas my attention equally good for sales and equally good for service because of which i got good opportunities to grow up faster got it got it because i would understand the business much better yeah. so another learning that i happened for me that you know look it is not just uh, service that you i mean you should know service as a business and uh, most people who do not focus on service find it difficult later on in life and then i got opportunity then again i was typically young impatient and then uh, g was trying to do joint venture with godrej it wasn't happening and i was very uh, hungry to grow up fast on the ladder of uh, the corporate world so i again took a risk and i decided to quit and i went to the middle east wow so uh, i got a job in the middle east i got a couple of jobs uh, when i applied and uh, i chose to go to bahrain okay. and uh, i made my biggest blunder there again while i was in godrej i was handling a huge branch like maharashtra which was a huge scale yeah. handling that for refrigerator business but when i went to bahrain i realized that uh, in 15 minutes you finished the whole country the territory was so small yeah it is small. and and i had and of course in those days we didn't have internet we couldn't do research we had to rely on people who would be there who would tell us something about it mm-hmm. so i made a big blunder i thought in my life when i went to bahrain because i realized that in half an hour my country is over and where do i go and sell so again i realized that uh, looks like i have made a stupid mistake and uh, i went and told the man there that look can you expand my territory can you give me middle east can you make me sell in uh, dubai can i sell in oman this is but we don't have any offices there we are only in bahrain so i i i found that you know i had made a big mistake yeah like but luckily i had got married by that time but i didn't take my wife with me okay. so i said no middle east i'm not so sure should i take my wife uh, at this point of time i said let me go first and uh, let me check the place out and then i'll ask you to come over so within 6 months i realized this is not what i want to do in life but this is one thing i have learned in my life that you know if i don't like something i'll quickly take a call and move out i don't hang around for too long yeah this is another learning which i would share with you or or, or with the audience to understand that look if you think that you are in the wrong place don't hang around for too long just move yeah i did that i quit the job came back and my wife was from delhi so i came back to delhi without a job and uh, i kept wondering what to do but providence also works for you that's what i realized that you know if you are willing to take the risks things do happen mm-hmm. so i took out a list of uh, you know uh, consultants mm. and i started calling on each one of them in those days of course we didn't have mobile phone business so it was more of like you know you go physically to meet them mm. you have a landline and you pick up the phone fix an appointment go to meet somebody so i did that at one of the places and uh, as i walked in and there was somebody who was sitting in the office of that consultant's office and i shared my journey so far and it turned out he was a regional manager for amtrix who was looking for a branch manager oh so he was in the consumer durable industry i had come from the consumer durable industry so for me i would say that is providence uh, 
and it just happened so like you know we started talking he said oh I, let's stop now and he had come to give his requirement to the consultant actually oh so then we started talking i said yeah it makes sense and uh, i am from the industry and i understand so i joined them and uh, my journey again started from the uh, consumer durable business in delhi now so this is how uh, my journey has been happening and then of course uh, from amtrex i moved to samsung mm-hmm. and i still remember when i went to samsung uh, and i called up my father to say that i'm quitting amtrex he knew amtrex because it was part of the lalbai group and uh, lalbai group was big in yeah. gujarat where we came from mm-hmm. so he said samsung what is samsung mm. uh, i don't know what samsung is he said are you sure what you're doing types Uh, and uh, by then i had done some amount of research so i knew samsung and uh, during my middle east stint uh, the first tape recorder that i bought which was the cheapest available in the basement brand as we call them mm-hmm. was a samsung oh so i had bought home a, a small uh, two in one which was a samsung two in one and uh, i knew that brand and the product was good i said yeah this is something which i can Oh, that's where i started creating the brand for samsung got it yes so um since you've worked with companies like samsung and mozilla and like uh, do, do you have any specific instances from that time that uh, shaped your learning especially because you you had to establish them in india and like um, you played a huge role in it especially like coming up coming uh, working from before the dot com era till now so what were the learnings yeah. See, when I joined Samsung, like I said, uh, nobody knew Samsung in India. Mm-hmm. I knew Samsung because of my brief stint in the Middle East, mm-hmm. and uh, there was not much of baggage because uh, Samsung was a discount brand in the U.S. markets. It was a discount brand in Europe, but in India, nobody had any knowledge about Samsung. And uh, in Korea, there was recession at that time. I'm talking of 1995. Mm-hmm. Okay. Korea had recession and. Korean government had given a mandate to all the companies that please go out and uh, develop business for yourselves outside of Korea because there's no economy really any there's no growth happening in the economy in Korea. So companies like Samsung and LG were coming to India, and uh, they went to what was known as BRICS in those days. BRICS was Brazil, Russia, India, China, and uh, one more country. so they they would go to these countries and establish themselves and since they were new in india the chairman had allocated a budget of as much as 1 million dollars at that time wow i'm talking way back in 95 to create the brand of samsung oh so now my task was to help build the brand of samsung from what i mean nobody knew it in india and our, our job was to create that brand so we were a team of about uh, four people four indians who were working with the korean my learning there was uh, initially it was very difficult to work with these koreans one they didn't know english right. and they would speak in tooty footy english and would try to communicate so half the time uh, our effort was lost in trying to understand what is he trying to say mm-hmm. and then translate that into action yeah so many times we would get our Uh, understanding wrong, and we would end up facing the Korean who would look at you with big red eyes and say, "I'm going to sort of eat you. Oh. <laughs> Why did you do this?" Mm. 
uh, like we are wondering, we don't know what we did wrong. But all the time we are trying to understand because the issue was of culture, issue was of language. Then I got my first opportunity where he wanted me to go to Korea. He says, why didn't you go to Korea? And uh, spend a month or two with our company there so that you will understand our products, understand our business. I mean, those days, Indians were not going to Korea. I mean, there was really no uh, people. I mean, we didn't have people going to Korea. So when he chose me to go, I again thought of it as why not? So I had this attitude of, you know, generally telling myself, why not? Chalo, dekha yeah. So I went and uh, I realized that uh, it's a very different country. And uh, while the folks were nice, they took care of me because I was a guest, so on and so forth. But I found that uh, in those days, there were no Indian restaurants, nothing of that sort in Korea. So I had to eat the Korean food. I had to eat beef. I had to eat bulgogi, which I had never eaten before. But then at the same time, I had to act as if I'm fine. <laughs> I'm comfortable. You know, I can manage types. And... Uh, with that pretense I did, and then they would expect me to drink. Oh. And their drinking session, huge bouts of drinking, and they would drink the whole bottle. And uh, I mean, that's their lifestyle. So that is how they believe they should uh, entertain people. And that's how you're supposed to get entertained. I also took it in stride. Uh, I, I, I would drink, but I never drank uh, silly. But then this was one place that they would drink silly and I would also drink silly. So I figured out that it was a mess, but then uh, I didn't know how to handle it at that time. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, now, did I make a mistake again? Mm -hmm. Because this culture is difficult to understand, their language is difficult to understand, and then I have to work with them. But then luckily what happened was we figured out there were a lot of uh, Samsung employees who had studied in the US markets, and therefore they were pretty good at English. So they were brought in as in-between people for us. So then we started uh, learning how to work with uh, Samsung. Uh, and it was a good journey after that. We created the uh, brand of Samsung. And of course, then uh, rest is history. Got it. All right. So, um, so you're a man of like constant hustle, constant learnings and everything. So what do you think are the gaps that exist right now in the education system in our country? See, in my mind, uh, I, I would say that, uh, you know, for example, in engineering, there is no training for soft skills. Mm. There is a need for, for all the students in the engineering uh, sector who should be trained on soft skills. Got it, got it. Because what really you require when you get out in the marketplace is the soft skill part in addition to your engineering part. Yes. So while, you know, engineering will take care of uh, 70 to 75% of the requirement uh, in the job place. But if you don't know how to communicate, if you don't know how to behave, if you don't know how to tackle people, mm -hmm. it's very difficult life. And you know, you can't just be that brash engineering types and say, Dekha jayega type. Yeah. So I think that that amount of uh, finishing needs to become a regular part of the course content in engineering colleges. That is one thing which I strongly believe in. So an element of management must need to be taught in the engineering colleges. An element of soft skill needs to get built in uh, yes. engineering colleges. 
So uh, exactly with Up, that's what we're trying to do. So uh, we're building a community where people support each other and uh, we're also having like trainings for soft skills because now we know like soft skills are so important like networking, communication, understanding people and that is so crucial to like move forward if you want to in the corporate life yeah. also. And uh, we're trying to do that with Up. Let's hope it goes all well. Um, so, Sup. Uh, I'm sure it will. <laughs> Thank you. So what are some changes or learnings that you have had along your journey and uh, that you suggest that students should incorporate into their lives like right now itself, like especially with respect to physical, mental and like uh, financial well-being? Are there any late realizations? Oh, yes. I, I would definitely like to share this insight. I mean, I do it to my kids too. Whether they absorb it or not, I don't know, but I do my bit. So I think one of the things which has helped me study in my entire journey of my life is having fiscal discipline. Mm. Right from the time when I was uh, with my first job, the first thing that I had learned was that 25% of my money I would keep aside as savings. Mm. Come what may, I would never spend. Yeah. And I would do that regularly every month. There were times, I mean, our, our starting salary in those days, were, if I remember correctly, in Godridge was about 2,800 or 3,000 rupees per month. But we were very clear. I mean, today you would go and have a dinner for 3,000 rupees. So it's like, you know, uh, said nothing doing. 25% of this money I'm going to put aside. And in those days, of course, uh, we had the Harshad Mehta era and all those things. So we were all very tuned on to the stock markets. Mm. So we would buy shares and things like that. And we would put our money away. So money was always kept aside and put into some of these instruments like shares or mutual funds. Because now in those days, mutual funds are not great. But shares are something which was big in Bombay. So we started investing. But that's one thing I would always say that uh, have that fiscal discipline of investing 25% of your money every month. Come what may. You don't spend it, whatever happens. The other thing was every time we got bonuses, that is another thing that we would again have fiscal discipline that 50% of the bonus would be put away into savings. And it was only that 50% we would splurge. Maybe going and have a party, daru party, whatever you want to have. But that's just 50%, not more than that. So I think that fiscal discipline is uh, very critical in uh, one's life. The other thing is, uh, I strongly believe and which has had, held me steady is this habit of, uh, you know, taking risk. I have seen a lot of my colleagues in, who are from my, or my classmates from engineering. Even today when I meet them, I see them so unsure of wanting to take risk. I'm sure life has been different for them. So, you know, I can't really blame them. But it is more a case like they would not want to take risk. And because of that, they keep cribbing and remaining in one place or in one career or in one uh, role. They don't expand. So to me, risk-taking is something which we must build. And when we are young, we must take risks. It does not matter uh, even if the decision is wrong. I mean, own it up. Yes, I made a wrong decision, but take that risk. Don't stop yourself from taking risks. People I have seen who were last benchers like us, we've done well in life because we were risk takers. Yeah. There were people who were like toppers in the class. 
in the school, in the college. But the issue was they were pure rote learning mm. candidates. Mm. So they never really figured out how to handle life outside of books. And they found that difficulty when, when we came down to real life situations. So that is where I think that risk-taking ability is very critical that uh, we should have. The other thing is, you know, we cannot stop learning. I mean, uh, for me, like I have uh, done my post-graduation, but there have been so many opportunities where I've tried to learn something new. Like I went to do a landmark course. I went and tried to figure out how to look at life. So I keep learning. Something or the other keeps adding to, I, I would like to add value. When I quit my job and I was jobless, I went and did a course in solar. I went and did a course in uh, auditing air. So I would keep learning. Mm -hmm. So I always believe that keep keep aside some money which you will spend on your learning from time to time. Got it. And don't believe that I kal kar lunga. That kal never happens. Yeah. Just just do it. Just do it. Don't don't keep procrastinating. Yes. And uh, I, I mean, I also realized that uh, the other thing which I probably, if I were to look at my younger self and I would want to build that, is uh, keeping myself physically active and physically, you know, uh, charged. While I was mentally charged, but physically, it was only late in life that I realized so many good things are there in life. I was so busy in the rat race. I was so busy trying to grow. And of course, when you reach the top, you actually feel like a loner because you can't really talk at a personal level with most people yeah. in the organization. So that's when you find that, you know, you're a loner and then you need so many other ways to keep yourself occupied. Mm -hmm. One of the things I learned was I started going to marathons for walks. I would not run, but I would walk. I would do the, you know, five and a half kilometer or the 11 kilometer. I once did a 21 kilometer also. Okay. I would do the entire marathon, but I would walk. I would not run. God. But I figured that I'm going to you know, push myself to do it. Then I even went for a trek into the hills. Wow. I stayed, I lived in the hills. Mm -hmm. I walked 50 kilometers in the hills. So I've done all those things. I've done, you know, what we call as uh, parasailing. Mm -hmm. When you jump out of beer billing. Yes. Sir. Paragliding, paragliding. I've done that. Yeah. But it... <laughs> now, of course, I still have a few things on my bucket list, which I want to do. Uh... Yes, uh, that's what life is all about. So you must enjoy I, this is one thing which I would, you know, I, I would look back at my young self and say I was so busy in the rat race all my life that many a times I actually forgot to enjoy. Yes. Sir. So I, I think that is one learning I would go back and tell youngsters that do enjoy as you go along. Got it. Don't just stick to being in the rat race. <laughs> got it. Got it. So thank you so much, sir. This I honestly wish we could do this for longer, um, but there's a time limit. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm sure we've put up a contact for you in case anybody wants to get in touch with you and everything. Thank you so much for everything, yeah. sir. And uh, let's speak soon again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely like to come back again. And uh, I would specifically like to talk about my current role, where as an investor, we look at various startups mm. and in the deep tech space. And I'm sure there are a lot of youngsters in the NITK uh, campus who could uh, be looking at starting their journey as entrepreneurs. Wow. And we would love to fund them if they are in our space. I, I look forward to more opportunities to talk to students uh, physically or through video conferencing opportunities that we can now create. 
and I, I'm open to any opportunities like these. Sorry. We can pick up a specific topic and we can discuss that. And yes. uh, I, I would love to come back. And Great. it's my alma mater, and I'm happy to always come back and uh, give back to the society, whatever way we can. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir. This has been amazing.